This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everybody, this is Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief of GreenLivingIdeas.com, and welcome to another episode of Green Talk Radio. And we're going to be talking today uh, under the topic of lawn and yard care and uh, uh, lawn uh, alternatives, but we're going to be talking about specifically about synthetic turf solutions, which have been offered up by the industry as one of the lawn alternatives. Lawns, as most of us know, maybe not everybody, uh, are inherently ungreen because of the water consumption and what it takes to maintain them. And so, you know, so, some have offered uh, synthetic turf solutions as a greener alternative and there are there is some controversy about the materials that are used in these synthetic solutions and it's been a another issue of sort of creating another set of problems and in a recent conversation that I had with a site visitor who turns out to be an expert in this area, uh, a gentleman named Tom Deal, who's joining me today, uh, we talked about some of the issues online. We emailed back and forth, and I wanted to invite Tom to be on the program with me today to talk and share his expertise and his vision and, and viewpoint and perspective on uh, synthetic turf solutions and uh, the issues there. So, Tom, welcome to the program. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And I just want to mention, too, that, that Tom is the CEO of a company called Future Turf. So you are actually in the industry with a product as well. But uh, I was impressed with your email and the, the information that you had and that you could shed some additional information uh, on this issue because it's one of those things where I, I'm far from a synthetic turf expert. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sort of re- relying on it, and it, it seems like in some cases perhaps we, along with the rest of the industry, might be walking into what could potentially be uh, a case of some greenwashing or information that is maybe not 100% accu- accurate with regards to the issues around these synthetic turf products. So why don't we just start off? I'd like to hear about your background, what, what got you into this industry, and then we can dive into some of the issues. So why don't we start there? Well, Sean, I've been a landscape contractor in Southern California for 24 years, and uh, of course, always tried to do green methods in my installation and maintenance process. And my company evolved from a Southern California landscape company, transitioning now to strictly synthetic grass solutions and and doing it the eco-responsible way. So um, I've done a lot of uh, research on synthetic turf in the last few years. It is a relatively new industry, and that's why there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, and that is very typical with with the burgeoning industry. You know, you do see that, and people are like, "Well, they don't know what else to think." It's like, okay, I guess that's true. I don't know. You know, it's like when you see green and organic and other labels on products in the store, and it's it's very dangerous. And marketers have a lot of power over the uh, over the uneducated. So that's certainly what we seek to do on this site. Uh, and with this podcast is to get the education out. So um, with that in mind, to some of the specific issues around um, the the turf products, you had mentioned to me that there is uh, certain companies that will remain nameless out there that, that use uh, things like dirty crumb rubber recycled shredded tire products as turf infill, and that, that you you'd said that that's outdated and it could be a serious safety hazard. Can you uh, enlighten us about that? 
correct. The industry, um, as far as the product goes, it needs an infill. And an infill, what that does is it holds the blades. It gives the stability to the blades of grass, the synthetic blades. So it's, it's really important that you have an infill. Now, a lot of companies will say you don't need an infill, but what happens is the synthetic grass mats down like a pancake. And so with research, it pretty much shows you need an infill. The problem is most companies are using a dirty, recycled black crumb rubber, and um, they're also mixing it with silica sand. Well, both of those products, uh, there's a lot of concern with silica sand with a silicosis. It's a respiratory disease, and with the insulation process, um, you've got a, a lot of silica sand in the air, and it's certainly dangerous for workers and any, anybody standing by, uh, let alone we don't know uh, the result of the silica sand being in the turf when it comes to daycare centers and just basically children playing on it. Um, the dirty crumb rubber is um, basically, it heats up to very high temperatures in the summer. Uh, so basically if a pet is, is using the grass, it's, it's unfortunate, but the temperatures could get up to 150, 170 degrees. And unfortunately for a pet, it, it can be dangerous, uh, and also children. But for pets laying on it, um, we're, we're basically trying to find infill products, and we have that reduce that temperature dramatically. Yeah, you mentioned actually in the email to me that the temperatures on the high end can get as high as even 187 degrees on, on the very extreme. Absolutely. It's, it's a question that most consumers are asking, and the, the truth needs to be told as far as, when you're in Temecula Valley or you're in some arid climates where the temperature, outside temperature is 90 plus or even 100 plus, um, the truth needs to be told about the synthetic turf and, and how hot it can actually get. It could get to dangerous levels. Uh, so uh, inevitably, it's a petroleum plastic product. It's going to heat up, but anything you could do with the infill to reduce that is a big plus. Yeah, well, the, sort of the part of the allure of having the lawn is this cool place, this greenness, right, in your, in your, in, you know, outside your home, and uh, so that in hot weather, you know, I've pictured my kids, and you know, we don't have a dog, but you know, it's like rolling around out there, and that sort of blows that whole, that blows that whole vision of you know they're not they're rolling around in a, in a volcanic pit, essentially a green colored volcanic pit uh, in those cases. So, so what what are the the ways to mitigate that? Well, there's some. Uh, the good news is there's some products out out there, um, and I've got an affiliation with Eco Alliance Synthetic Turf Products, which uh, they're really on the cutting edge with the green movement with the synthetic turf industry. Um, I'm very lucky to uh, be with them, and I've got a distributorship in Riverside County uh, with Eco Alliance, and um, basically they've got a product. It's an eco infill, and it's basically a uh, rubber-coated sand, and so the sand itself is not silica sand. It's a it's a granular sand, and in the process of creating this, um, they've, they've basically coated it in rubber. Uh, but it's a it's a green um, coating, which is a lot cooler, and, and certainly um, with testing that's been done, it's the, the temperature is reduced by about thirty degrees. Now, you might think that still sounds like a high temperature, but compared to to one sixty. When you're in the 130 range, that's a big difference. But um, truth be told, synthetic turf does heat up. But anything you could do to reduce the temperature is a benefit. Um, but the other thing is the safety issue with the silica sand and the, and the black, dirty rubber crumb is enough to, to be cautious and not use that. 
And there's also a difference between being in 130 degrees where there's the, the surface object that you're, you have the option of being connected to or not, uh, in the open air versus say, for example, being in a car. We've all heard about the issues and, and, you know, heard in the news about issues of, you know, pets and even some cases, unfortunately, children, uh, being injured or killed by, uh, you know, parents who have left the, them in the car for even just a few minutes with windows not rolled down and things like that in the summer heat. Um, but, you know, so it's a little bit different. I mean, that you have to kind of put that into the context of like, if you've got a 130 degree, uh, synthetic lawn and, but you're in the open air, it's not like you're trapped inside of a car or something like that. It's, it's going to be a different uh, situation. Absolutely. And keep in mind, I want to point out the benefits of the synthetic turf because the benefits far outweigh any of the, the problems, but the, the, the issues need to be told. So upon the installation process, these things could help the overall temperature. It's a, it's a small uh, problem. Um, the bigger problem is not to use silica sand, not to use dirty rubber. There are better infill products. Um, and, and not going with an infill is, is not the best way because, like I said, the turf could mat down like a pancake. But the benefits of synthetic turf, certainly you could get rid of your lawnmower, and, and it's proven that lawnmowers emit more carbon emissions than automobiles. And, and that's a big, big plus for the environment. Um, in addition, of course, saving water. Um, the average natural lawn, each square foot, you're using about 15, 50 gallons a year. So a thousand square foot lawn, you're using fifty thousand gallons a year just to keep your grass uh, green. So saving water is a is a big plus. The the issue with pesticides and fertilizers and not having to use those and not having them run off into the wetlands and streams is is a huge plus. Those three issues alone um, give synthetic turf a, a huge boost. A hundred million square feet of synthetic turf were installed in two thousand six alone. And we're projecting that that amount alone will be installed in the southwest in 2008. So it's a growing industry, um, uh, the, the biggest growing exterior home, and Im- home improvement in- industry out there. So it's important for the consumer to know the facts and, and how to go about um, buying the best products and, and getting the best companies to install it properly. Sounds good. Well, I have some more questions. I want to switch gears a little bit. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break uh, to go to our uh, sponsor and hear a few words there. And then we will be back with Tom Deal, of, who is the CEO of Future Turf. And you can find them online at futureturf.com. And there's another website, which is ecosyntheticturf.com. And we'll be right back. And Tom, when we get back, I want to talk, to ask you a little bit about the look and feel of these products and uh, more on the uh, consumer experience end. And we'll be right back. Listen to Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. And we are back with Tom Deal, who is the CEO of Future Turf, and we're talking today about greener synthetic turf solutions uh, as lawn alternatives. And uh, Tom, just when we were we were talking before about the products themselves and some of the issues that come around, you were talking about uh, you know uh, breathing issues uh, for workers and people who live around uh, these products with regard to the silica sand that's used for the infill and and some and and, and then other effects uh, um, with regards to the rubber that's being used for the rubber infill and typical products and things like that. So, but I also I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, and forgive me for this, but it's more of the cosmetic side of just the experience. I think that the barrier to entry for a lot of people with products like this 
in a home situation is traditionally the way that they look. They look very artificial, and I'm speaking about you know products in the past uh, versus say having a lawn. People who want that lawn feel. We're very fortunate here in, in Northern California, the area where I live, there's a, it's a very rocky area. And so it's very acceptable, both aesthetically, um, uh, you know, as well as well in terms of just, you know, home value and things like that to have natural landscaping. You don't even have to have a lawn. We can, we can have rocks and, and there's lots of rocks and shrubbery and it looks beautiful. But in areas of the country where that's maybe not as much of, of an option or as aesthetically consistent, um, tell us how this has evolved these types of products. Well, being a landscape contractor for 24 years and uh, doing design, that's my forte. I'm very particular about uh, natural landscape designs, and, and nobody wants a natural design more than me. But, of course, living in arid climates, realizing the, the water issues, um, you, you have to, to switch gears. And a blended landscape with synthetic turf mixed with ponds or, or other plantings with drip irrigation is just smart planning. The technology now with synthetic turf is tremendous. The, the samples, there's over 250 varieties. Uh, it's a little confusing to the consumer because products are made in the United States, they're made in China, they're made in uh, Italy to uh, New Zealand. Uh, there's products all over the world, so to sift through all that, um, it can get a little bit difficult for the consumer, but the good news is the density and the look and feel, um, the realistic look of these turfs is unbelievable. And I, and I would say everything is a as a pro. The only con would be how it how it heats up, uh, but it's uh, they're fantastic. They look real, and uh, there's all different colors and and tricolors to choose from. Festy varieties that give you a variegated look. It's really unbelievable. Huh. So, are you seeing it typically being employed or deployed? I should say, uh, in that way, with in conjunction with like so small patches in conjunction with natural landscaping or other landscaping features, or is it, is it typical to just have like large swaths of the stuff, you know, in, as you would see in a typical sort of large square lawn, um, or is it is it both? Does it just depend? Well, certainly it's personal preference. If you've got uh, a large uh, play area that you'd like and you've got 3,000 square feet and you, you certainly just want a, a flat play area for the kids, synthetic will work. But the wonderful thing about it is if you've got three or 4,000 square feet of turf, you don't need to install uh, 3,000 to 4,000 square feet of synthetic. You could reduce the amount, which will reduce your price, and it'll probably give you an overall better design in the end if you lower it to, say, 1,700 square feet or 1,500 and you have a, a border between your turf and your planter, and maybe you'll do a rock garden or a pond and have drip irrigation to some drought-tolerant plants. It could be a fantastic blended um, artificial look mm. uh, mixed with the natural look. It's great. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I know it's, it, this is a frustrating area, I think, for a lot of homeowners. I mean, at least I, I think I must be representative of, of many where you look at it, and I think particularly when you have children, it's, if I did not have children, I would not really care about looking outside and having all natural landscaping. We, we have very, you know, sort of uh, earth-friendly uh, landscaping. It's all native, uh, you know, low low water usage, watering requirements, and and all that. But but then you want to have a place to sort of play and throw a football or throw a frisbee or you know just run around or roll around in the grass and things like that. And so you know, I think that this is this has always represented the possibility of, of an alternative to that for wanting to still have a, a lawn or a lawn-like entity, um, you know, because again, with the, the sort of the play aspect with children, it, it really changes things, I think, for a lot of people. So, so you're saying that this is both aesthetically and functionally a, a viable solution. 
Americans love their lawns, Sean, and um, they absolutely love to have a, a patch or larger of a lawn, whether it's the kids or just visually, um, to have that blend of a, and contrast of a green turf mixed with a, a nice rock garden or your planter uh, in the proper ratio. It'll, it'll always be a need, and, and it's something I don't think people want to give up and go uh, to straight uh, rock. Uh, so synthetic really fills this void, and it, it, it saves water, and like I mentioned, the emissions, the no pesticides. And when it comes to your pet, um, it certainly is there, it's very pet-friendly if you use a proper infill. It's a fantastic product in that regard. I, I just think the, the truth regarding the drawbacks uh, need to be told, and then people could move forward and feel comfortable putting the uh, synthetic installations in. Sounds good. Well, we are talking today about greener synthetic turf solutions for lawn and yard care. And my guest is Tom Deal, who is the CEO of Future Turf and a licensed contractor in California. And we will be right back after one more quick break from our sponsor. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be right back. Listen to Money, Mission and Meaning. Passion at work, purpose at play. A weekly audio program bringing you success in the business of life on personallifemedia.com. And we are back with Tom Deal, CEO of Future Turf. We're talking today about greener synthetic turf solutions. Tom, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit too about uh, you know the ROI aspects. And invariably, people you know, of course, ask about the cost aspects of these things. And and when we talk about there, obviously, there are savings in terms of uh, not only in terms of the earth and ecologically, but also financially with not having to to water the lawn. I know that's a significant expense for uh, anyone who is in, not in a very rainy area of the world um, who is maintaining a lawn, and that's a real concern. Um, and so, you know, as far as what these products cost and in terms of the non-chemical and non-water usage to maintain them uh, and human you know, labor and all of that, what, what's a typical uh, window of ROI or payback on, on these types of products? Well, the average cost of a synthetic turf construction project is $10 a square foot. And um, the return on investment, it usually takes three to four years to, to recoup that, and you're pretty much good to go after that. They're vir it's virtually maintenance-free, although our company is also specializing in um, remedial services, which you need to do for cleaning and certainly um, maintaining synthetic turf. Um, but basically, at $10 a square foot, initially it's a little bit more investment, but keep in mind if it was a new landscape construction design, there's a lot of work involved with soil prep and irrigation and drainage and certainly the installation of, of your sod, which can and certainly run in, into the 5 to $8 range. So um, if you're renovating a project, uh, yes, it's, it's pretty much $10 a square foot, but if it's a new construction, you might as well go synthetic because in the long run you're going to save a lot on your you're not having a gardener, not having a lawnmower, and certainly the, the pesticide fertilizer savings and, and then definitely the water, the number one thing. Do you see the adoption of this type of a product being targeted towards or, or uh, I guess, uh, m more he uh, heavily adopted uh, in certain demographics? For example, uh, the, maybe the you know, elderly or, or people that are you know, past middle age uh, versus you know, people who are sort of in their 20s and 30s and, and have kids. Or, are you seeing it, th those kinds of correlations? Well, it was across the board, Sean. Um, when you go to the trade shows, uh, people are fascinated with coming up and, and feeling the samples. They're very realistic. Um, and because of that, you, you do get a lot of calls across the board. 
with people with, with small pets that they might have a gravel yard and, and they're looking after their pet to have a softer surface. Or uh, it, it certainly could be a vast estate where they're just tired of uh, all the maintenance and all the water and they're looking to go uh, eco-friendly with, with saving water. So it is across the board in the interest with synthetic turf and it's, it's only growing. Tom, as a final question for you, I'm just curious about what, what would you advise our listeners today that are looking into these types of products to look for in these products in terms of their, their components, their constituent components? The number one thing, Sean, is density. Um, the face weight of synthetic turf is what you look for, and the face weight could range from um, 33 ounce per square yard, and that would be the weight of, of the face weight per square yard, up to 90 to 100 ounce weight per square yard. Um, the infill would, it would require less infill the denser that you had the turf. Um, so when you're looking for a, a product, when you look over it and you look down when it's finished, you don't want to see black rubber crumb. You don't want to, you want to see a nice, thick, lush lawn with a proper infill. So I would recommend that uh, to a minimum you would get a face weight of, of at least maybe uh, 50 to 60 ounce and, and, and up from there would only uh, make it be denser and make it have a, a better, lusher look and feel. Okay, and any, anything else in, in terms of the products themselves, things to look out for? There's a lot of subjective uh, personal choices because some are a deeper green, some are a brighter green, olive green, verde green, or maybe a fescue green, which could be a variegated foliage. So there's a lot of personal choices there, and, and I recommend looking at the samples uh, and deciding if you want something, uh, maybe a Kentucky bluegrass, uh, grass, fresh um, mode look, or maybe you want something a little more California-like that's not so uh, green. Um, but when it comes to the density, the infill, and the, uh, the installation process, and certainly the follow-up maintenance, realize that there's eight-year warranties on most of the products. Uh, most companies are saying it lasts 20 to 30 years, but we really don't know that. So keep in mind, after five or six years, you're probably going to want to do um, a little bit of uh, restoration, maybe, and, and, and keep it clean. Anything needs maintenance, you're going to have to broom it a little bit, use a leaf blower to get the organic material off of there consistently. consistently. So nothing is maintenance-free, um, but the, the long-term benefits um, are just fantastic. So I highly recommend it, but just um, beware of, of all the, the different issues. Well, and on that note, we certainly appreciate you coming on today and enlightening us and our audience about those issues uh, around synthetic turf products. And so it's uh, been very informative. And my guest, my guest today has been Tom Deal, who is the CEO of Future Turf. He's also a licensed contractor in California. Uh, Tom, once again, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Sean. And I want to mention that Tom's websites are www.futureturf.com and www.ecosyntheticturf.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com.
Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.